Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome home. We are glad that you are here today with us. We're glad for those that are listening online uh, this morning. We're excited today about the series that we're in and just to kind of get things going today that goes along with our series this morning. The other day I came home for work and we bought a, a puppy oh, this last Christmas and she's been growing and, and you know getting older and she's just been struggling with chewing on things. If you have a dog, you know how that goes, especially when they're young. And I get home and lay stuff, you know, put my keys on the counter and go out to check her water and her food. And she's taken like, my wife has all these flowers and landscaping and there's like felt that goes underneath the mulch and all of that. And she has taken like felt or felt paper all over the yard and just has ripped it into like a thousand pieces. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And so I come, you know, Whitney comes home later and I, I, you know, I take her outside. I'm like, look at this, you know, she goes, you know what it is, don't you? And I said, what? You never walk her. And, And I never walk her. We're busy all the time. She needs something to do. She needs something to do. I said, well, you know, I try to walk her, but I, you know, I can't be with her all day. She's bored. She needs something to do. And I was thinking about that today because in our lives, if we don't have something to do, we can sometimes get into trouble. You know, as a youth pastor, um, working with students, we've had a couple of kids that have gone through the youth group in the 10 and a half years that I was here that have got themselves in prison or in jail or have found themselves in trouble. And one of the patterns that uh, I found when I would ask them, you know, why did you do it? Not always, but a lot of times one of their first answers was, I was bored. In other words, I didn't have anything to do. You see, we're all called to do something. That's what this series is about, to do something. Not to do mischief things or not to, like a dog, to tear up the yard or to tear up our lives, but God made us with something divine for us to do. You see, do something when God picks you is, the reality is, we've all been picked. God created each one of us in His image and He has picked each of us to do something for his glory and for his kingdom based on who we are and what he's called us to do. One of the things that we said last week is the way that God calls us to do something is burdens. In other words, burdens is what uh, calls us to make a difference in someone's life. All of us have been called to do something or all of us have had a burden for someone. And um, several years ago, my wife had a burden for, for our neighbors. And so she would she would go and just visit with them and bring cookies over to them and, and just build a relationship into them. And, and I didn't have that burden. I didn't have anything against them, but you know, I, I just, I asked her one time, I'm like, why do you go over there all the time? You know, they're, I mean, they're in their eighties and we don't have anything in common with them. And, and I'm hungry and, and the kids are hungry and, and make it yourself. And, uh, like, why do you go over there all the time? In this moment of vulnerability, she's just like, I don't know. I just feel like it's something I'm supposed to do. And the reality is, is if we walk with God, sometimes we can get disconnected from God. You know, I'll just be honest. There's times where I've not given up on God, but I'm not walking closely with him. And so it's easy to kind of for the voice of God to be dulled in my life. But if we're walking with God closely, like what the vision says on the wall, as we're connected to God, you know, in our our ordinariness and our not getting it right all the time-ness, if we're walking with God, he gives us this burden because that's what motivates us to do something. 
God uses burdens to move us to do something about that thing. Whitney's thing at that time was, in, was her neighbor's. Your thing might be something else. And when that's there, it, it, we can't sleep. We, we, can't, we, we have to do something about it. That's what we've been out in the, in, we're studying the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was there. It's not just, you know, the story about my wife. It's not just Nehemiah. All of us have something that God puts on our hearts as we connect ourselves to Him. And Nehemiah's burden, just a quick recap, was the city walls. They, the whole nation of Israel has been exiled because of their sin and they're living in Babylon and, and things aren't the way that they're supposed to be and, and the people are broken and lost. And somehow a few people are able to go back to Jerusalem. And when they get there, they see that the city walls have been burned or have been broken down and, and the gates have been burned and they report that message back to Israel. And Nehemiah, who's just a cupbearer, you know, he's not the king, he's not a prophet, he's just a guy. And Nehemiah goes, hey, how, how's, how's our community? And they tell him, the walls are down. The gates have been burned. And remember what we say, if you're new today, that back then, a city's walls were everything. It was their comfort. It was their strength. It was their protection. It was a support. So with your walls gone, you don't have a community. I mean, you got nothing. And Nehemiah is so burdened by this. And, and he begins to cry and repent for days and mourn and fast. Because it starts with the burden. We asked last week, what's your burden? What has God burdened you for? And today, in part two, we're talking about send me. Because Nehemiah begins to pray because of that burden. He didn't wait around for God to send him. He said, Lord, would you send me? Would you give me favor with the king? In order for him to be able to go and and rework the walls and rebuild the walls, he has to get permission. Right? Those of us who have a 16 or 17-year-old child or maybe a 14 or 15-year-old, and they want permission to use your car. I remember asking my dad, Dad, I got my first date. Can I borrow your truck? I couldn't just take it. I could, but I'd be in big trouble. I had to ask permission. And folks, sometimes we've got to pray, God, would you give us permission? And that's what Nehemiah does. He prays for God to give him favor when he asks permission of the king. And so he repents, and he, and he tears down the altars that... that uh, that the people had set up that weren't the right God, and he repents and he says, I remember why, why we've had these problems, and he clears it all out, and he's ready, and he says, God, give me favor, and he goes to the king. Now, what you got to know real quick this morning is this. Not only does the king have the right to kill you if he just doesn't like you, maybe you have a weird fragrance about yourself, he could have you killed, but he didn't like people looking depressed in his sight. You couldn't look sad. You couldn't, I mean, you've been, ever been around somebody who's just negative all the time? Don't point to somebody you know. You just be, you know, just somebody that's negative and no matter what's going on, you know, they're just negative. The king didn't want any of that. But Nehemiah, more than worrying about what the king would say or what the king would, how he would view him, this burden was driving him to do something. And so he goes to the king and he looks depressed. You can read about it in Nehemiah chapter 2 if you want. And he looks depressed in the king because Nehemiah had prayed rather than telling him you're dead or get out of my face or whatever. He's able to approach the king and Nehemiah is able to say to him, the king says, why are you so down? 
And Nehemiah says, the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asks, well, how can I help you? Now, imagine if you have a child. I know nobody in here does. But imagine if you had a child that you have to constantly ask to help around the house. You have to constantly ask to do the right thing. You have to constantly tell them how, what they're supposed to do. And imagine with that in mind that they came to you and rather than you telling them to do the dishes or telling them to stop hitting their sister or whatever, they came to you and they said, I cleaned the garage. I washed your car. I fed the dog and cleaned up the felt in the yard. What else can I do to help? That scenario, right? You're like, yeah, right. Maybe some of you wouldn't think that, but some of us would say, yeah, right. That's exactly the kind of scenario that would happen if I were to paint the picture of the king being able to grant Nehemiah permission to go. The king, because Nehemiah had prayed, instead of saying you're dead for being depressed or no way you're not going, he says, well, how can I help you? You see, what Nehemiah realized in that moment and what we can realize today is, is that God prepared the king's heart before Nehemiah ever spoke. Because when God sends you, he goes before you. See, today we're talking about sending, and obviously we know that we're going to be sending some people to Columbus to plant a church, but not, not everybody's going to be called to be sent. But God is calling all of us to be sent to something to build His kingdom, whether it's Columbus or to your school or, or to a friend that's broken and hurting. God is calling all of us to do something, and if He's calling us to it, He's going to see us through it. You see, when God sends you, He goes before you do. When I was in college, they had all these, you know, these churchy words, and I was taking this boring class called systematic theology. Jim's laughing because he's been through that class. And one of the words that they used were these omni words, omnipotent, which means God is powerful. And omniscient, which means God's all-knowing. And then omnipresent, which means God's everywhere. And folks, today, God is omnipresent in our world. And if He's sending you, He's gone before you. Today, we're going to meet at 4.30 over in Columbus. And Brian, our worship leader, he's going before we do to get some stuff set up. He's going before we do. If God's sending you to something... To have a conversation with somebody. To do something he goes before you do. We also see in this story that, I don't know about you, but if I were to approach the king and there's a pretty good chance he could kill me, I mean, I would have some fear. But what's so cool is, is when God puts a burden on our heart, 
and, and is wanting us to do something, the faith that we have for the burden of purpose is stronger than the fear we have that it could go wrong. And that's what Nehemiah does. His faith in God is stronger than his fear of the king. And so he's able to say to the king when he says, how can I help you? He says, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah. Say that with me. Send me to Judah. I know you could kill me. I know that you could hurt me. I know that you could reject me, but send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. When God sends you, he strengthens you. If you're being sent to something today, remember last week, last week, why I'm not mentioning it today, if, if you weren't here last week, and I'll just really quickly, the first thing that God sends us to do is to repent. So we have an act of sin in our life, and I talked a lot about it last week. If we have got act of sin in our life, we're not going to hear God sending us to all kinds of things because the first prayer he hears is the prayer of Repentance. For us to surrender. So if we don't have a burden of purpose, it's because we're carrying a burden of sin. And sin blocks God's plan for our life. Just like I told you last week, I've got this hose in the backyard that kinks really easy. It's not that the water flow's not going through. It's that the hose is kinked and won't allow the water to come through. It's not that God isn't speaking to us. It's that sin kinks God's presence and his power from being in our life. So this morning, if you're, if you're kind of wrestling with, what are you talking about being sent, man? I, I don't even know where I'm at with God. Well, then you, you've got the burden of sin in your life you need to confess. But if you've confessed that and you're walking with God and he calls you and sends you, he will strengthen you. I shared this before and it fits again today, but Steve Enoch, our, our media and technology director here at the church, his parents are missionaries in South Sudan. And I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, something like that, he come in and, and Steve, Steve's not a drama person, but I could tell he was worried. And I said, man, what's going on? And he's like, you know, my parents are in South Sudan and there's gunfire taking place not that far from where they are. And I don't remember exactly how, but we could hear the gunfire in the background. And, and we need to pray and I thought to myself, man, they're, they're, you know, they're retirement age. They could, they could just retire and come home. If we, you know, if she had malaria, I mean, at some point we prayed about that. And I mean, just one thing after another, I'm like, come home, man. And the gunfire, you know, we prayed and the gunfire left and her malaria is gone. And she's still there because God strengthens you when he sends you. You are stronger than you think because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So Nehemiah goes out of character. And he says, send me. And you know what happened? The king granted his request without incident. Have you ever been in a situation where you've got to confront somebody and you know it could get nasty because you know them or you know how you have a tendency to be? Come on. But you pray about it and you say, God, go before and would you help the situation? And the situation takes place. 
And what you expected to happen didn't happen because you went before and you prayed, God, would you be there before we both show up? And it worked itself out. That happens a lot. God worked it out where the king gave him the request without even pitching a big fuss. So then the king with his wife sitting there says, so how long are you going to be gone? When are you going to come back? So he tells him how long. The scripture doesn't really say, I don't think. And then he says, and then the scripture says, the king agreed to my request. Say it with me. The king agreed to my request. See, when God sends you, he's got your back. When God sends you, he's got your back. He goes before you, he strengthens you, and he's there for you. Sometimes when we think that God has our back, it means that we're, you know, we're exempt from trials and struggles and tribulations, that signing up with God is kind of like, um, you know, we're going to be prosperous and we're going to be rich and we're going to have all the great things of life. And the reality is that's not the case. The Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. And he tells Peter, you know, somebody's going to lead you around and you're going to die similar to how I've died. Life's going to have troubles and, 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 you know, trials. The reality is, is that God having your back doesn't mean that everything's going to go exactly how you want. It means that God's got your back, meaning he's there with you and he's not going to waste your pain and your trial and your struggle. If he's sending you, he's got your back. He's going to produce fruit So, you'd think story would be over. He prays, repents. God, would you go before me? God goes before me. He grants his request. This is the end of the story. We can go watch the chiefs at noon. It's over with. Except for this one thing. Nehemiah is so burdened with his burden of purpose that he decides to ask for more than just permission to go. Now, can you imagine like your 15-year-old brother saying to you when you're 17, dude, your dad, dad gave you his truck. Don't sit around before he you know, decide, changes his mind. Just go. I could see somebody saying, Nehemiah, you got permission. Just drop it. But he says to the king, instead of dropping it, he presses forward in faith. And he says, hey, if it pleases the king... Not only could you give me permission to go, but could you write some letters? What? Could you write some letters so that as I go, that I would be safe? Because I'm going to be traveling through some areas where it's kind of dangerous, on the wrong side of the tracks. And would you, would you go with me? Would you write a letter that they would protect me? Oh, and also, what? What are you doing? Also, could you also write a letter to this other part of the land that I'm going through? I need some timber. Could you be quick about it? 
He says, I need timber for the walls and I need timber for the house that I'm going to build. And you know what's crazy? The king granted that request as well because the gracious hand of God was in the situation. Let's read those yellow words. Gracious hand of God. Folks, in our lives, God has has got our back and when we're following him and he's calling us to go and he's sending us out to change someone's heart or to do something, whether whether how big or how small it is, if he's calling us to go, the gracious hand of God goes with us. It wasn't Nehemiah's diplomacy. It wasn't that he was a poet and didn't know it. It wasn't that he read the the ways to influence people. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Nehemiah writes this. He's writing this. He's recording it like it's already happened after the wall's been built and all this. And he says, and the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. You see, when God sends you, he gives you boldness. Folks, there are some times, and I'm just, I'll speak for people like me in the room. I'm a people pleaser by nature. I don't like, I don't like confrontation. I've had to grow into that, just being a leader, but I don't like it. I want everybody to like me. I, I, I want everybody to, to, you know, to, to agree. There's a lot of us like that. But my heart is, and I hope it's your heart too, that as much as I want people to agree, more than that, I just want God's will. And if that means I, I need to be bold, then I'm trusting the Spirit will allow me to be bold. And folks, if He's calling you to do something, you can trust Him to give you boldness. This is not an entertainment sermon today. This is a different message. This is God's speaking truth to us. So now you think maybe it's over. And Nehemiah's got everything he's supposed to have. And God throws Nehemiah an extra blessing that he wasn't even asking for because, the, because God prompts the king to not only send letters like Nehemiah asked, but to send protection as he travels in the form of army officers and horsemen. Nehemiah didn't even ask for that. Folks, we can't outgive God when he sends us. He asks for letters, and, and the king says, I'll give you letters. And God says, also throw in army officers and horsemen to protect him on his way. When God sends you, he will protect you. So that conversation that you are trying to avoid because you know how your mom can be. You know how your aunt can be. You know how your son can be. You know how they can be. But you know they need to know Jesus. And so you're doing the math and you're like, I know how this conversation is going to go. But yet there's this thing inside of you and inside of me that says, I know I'm supposed to though. 
See, when God sends you, he's got all the details covered. Quick story I've shared before, but I always share it if it works. I, I was lost when I was in college, and I was away from the Lord. Several years later, I came back to God, and I was praying like something like, Lord, if there's something I've done that you need to cut out in me, would you... Would you do that? If there's something that offends you, would you, would you tell me? And I prayed that prayer kind of thinking he's really nothing. I don't mean that arrogantly, but in my mind, I'm just praying that I'm being honest. I'm like, he's, I don't really know what that would be. And the Lord just hit me over the head with, you know, and to some of you, and this might simply be something silly, but the Lord's like, you know, Kyle, you, you stole some money from the Y when you were in college. You used that facility for a year and you didn't pay your membership. God, that's been several years ago. Yeah, I know. Some of you have heard this story, but some of you haven't. And I just kind of, I just started to listen to that and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to do with that. Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I, and it just, I just kind of walked around with that for a while. And the Lord wouldn't let it go when we were sitting at the breakfast table and I'm telling Whitney about it. And she's like, so what are you supposed to do with that? You're supposed to do something with that? I said, wait, I think I'm supposed to write a letter and send a check for the amount of money that I should have paid. It's like, she's like, Kyle, we don't have that money right now. We're newly married at the time. We were broke. She goes, if you think you're supposed to, but you know, we've got some bills coming up. I go, I think I'm supposed to. So remember I said all the details. I couldn't send it right away because it would have bounced. I had to wait till I got paid. I worked at Oshman's in Olathe, which is a sporting goods store that's, that's closed now. I got paid and I sent a check for more than I really could afford with a letter that apologized for what I did and explained to him that, you know, I was a Christian now and, you know, so on and so forth. And then I mailed it, and I just remember thinking, okay, I'm, it's over with. I've covered all the details. About a month later, my mom calls me, and she lives in New Mexico. She goes, hey, I heard about your letter that you wrote. And I go, what are you talking about? I really didn't think about it because I knew I didn't tell anybody about it except for wit. She goes, the letter you wrote to the guy at the Y. I said, how in the world do you know anything about that? She goes, the guy at the Y goes to Otto's and eats with your uncle. And, and you know, my uncle didn't know the Lord. And the guy comes in, Jack, takes the letter, flips it on the table and says, look at the stones of this kid. I'm just telling you what he said. Of this kid right here. My uncle reads the letter and he goes, that's my nephew. Now, when I mailed that letter... I thought it was about my sin, and, half, and partly it was. But God has more details than he gave me privy to. See, he went before me, and when I was obedient, he multiplied what, what happened. He didn't just give me a letter. He sent an army officers and horsemen. And he, he used that letter to witness and to say, 
There's no way Kyle would have known that I, you know, in my uncle, there's no way he would have been able to know that, you know, that I wrote that letter and there was, he knew that I wasn't trying to manipulate. I mean, there was no way for him to know I wrote the letter. God did that. You see, God, it's, I'm not the only one. You've all had stories like that. I'm not sitting here telling you what I've done. I've, I've messed up a hundred times. I'm sure God will have me write other letters in my life. But the reality is, is I use that as an example because he, he's got the details figured out if you're faithful and you're obedient. And sometimes the details won't be discovered until we go to heaven. He's not, we're not always going to get to see the fruit like that. But God is in the sending business. You can't get around that. I mean, we can, we can be like the rich young ruler where we come before God and we, we like God. We're not against God. We like coming to church. But when it comes down to, it, to us and he says, you need to stop your alcoholism. You need to stop your pornography addiction. You need to stop cheating on your spouse. You need to be honest with your taxes. You need to start doing what you're supposed to do with that friend that I asked you to talk to. You need to talk to your neighbor. You need to stop being so unkind to your wife or to your husband when it comes right down to it. And he sends us out to do those examples that I just said, or a lot more like it when it comes down to it. And we don't want to go. And we have to need to, we don't need to look any farther than when Jesus said, if you love me, if you are my disciple, if you say you're a follower, then obey my commandments. What Kyle, what God was saying to me was, Kyle, mind me if you love me. So I ask you this today. This is a heavy message, right? Sometimes this is chicken salad, and other times it's biscuits and gravy. This is a biscuits and gravy day. I'm asking you today to pray about being sent to do something to build God's kingdom. Now here's what I do, and you do it too. We ask, but then we don't listen. Or we already know what God's going to say, so we just... Don't really ask because we got God's ear and we know how he's going to react. I'm asking you today to stop doing the math, to stop putting words in God's mouth. I don't know where we were at, but Whitney kindly said to me, stop putting words in my mouth. I've said the same thing to her. We do it to each other and we do it to God. We put words in God's mouth because we don't really want to know. And the reason I remember that I was at the I was working at a car wash in Fort Scott, Kansas. That's by that Wendy's there. And I was walking around the back to clean the pennies out of the vacuum cleaner thing. And I said, "Lord," and I I, I had no agenda. I wasn't trying to anything. I just said, "God, is there something?" And God said, "Yeah, there is, Kyle." And folks, today. I'm asking you to pray about being sent to, to right a wrong, to go to Columbus, to be a better spouse. What is it God wants to say to you? Maybe when you ask him, he'll tell you several things because he told me some other stuff, but I don't have enough time for all that. So pray about being sent to do something that will build God's kingdom and don't put words in God's mouth. Ask. Imagine if you went into your house and you said, hey, how was your day? And your kids started to tell you and you just walked off. That's silly, right? We do that with God. Hey, 
God, what do you think about this? See ya. But would we have the courage? You know, we just had 9-11. I was reading and watching this video about this guy named Orion or something. He was, he was a firefighter. He was in his 40s. He was one of the first ones in. And he gets all the way up to the 78th floor, which is like just a few floors before where the plane hit. He dies along with every, a lot of people, obviously, that did. But he brings hope into this situation. Those people didn't die hopeless. They saw some hope come through the door in a firefighter. And I just can't help but think that there's people on the 78th floor, smoke going in their lungs, and it's not fire, it's sin, or it's, it's loss. There's people that you know around you that are dying and are broken, and they don't know Jesus. And God's saying, do something. Who's going to go up the building? Who's willing to do something? And we're sitting around, I'm just, I'm just, just going to say this, we're sitting around, Lord, do you want me to go in the building? Lord, do you want us to go to a small group? Lord, do you want us to plant in Columbus? Do you want, is it your will for me to talk to my friend? We know what God's will is. It's that no one will perish, but all will come to Repentance. If someone breaks in the house, I don't need to ask my wife if I need to do something about it. I need to get up and do something. Some of us, sometimes we don't need to pray about God. Do you want us to do something? God's like, "Uh, you already know the answer to that. And folks, that's what we're wanting to do in Columbus. And I, you know, I'm excited to share this with you, but that's why we're going to Columbus is to see broken people come to know Christ is to share with people that they can connect their ordinary sin and their ordinary lives, just like what it says on these walls. They can connect it to God and they can have a relationship with Him. See, God's calling us to not just be spectators, but to participate. So we've been praying, you know, a couple of things we're announcing today is the name of the church and the location. But we want this place and our people to be a place where they can connect, a connecting point. And that's what we're going to name the church in Columbus, is Connecting Point, a place where they can connect their lives with an extraordinary God. So the name of our church in Columbus is Connecting Point. Let's give God a hand. We've been praying about where we can meet on Sundays. And we took the board over last week and they voted yes. And so we're going to be renting out the State Theater Event Center on Sundays beginning in February when we launch the church. And so today we're going to be sending over, as you heard Steve say, some people to learn about the church plant. We're going to have a people mover here at 345 and you can get on that or you can follow behind us or you can meet us there. But today what we're asking is, is not for you to go over there because you're going to come to the church. We're asking you to go over there and hear the information. So what we're really asking you to do today is to pray about it. See, sometimes we have in our minds that we already know the answer to something. Here's what I'm asking you to do today. For those who 
haven't been around in the last few weeks, we're launching a church in Columbus in February. We want to send 100 people and $100,000. And beginning of October, we're going to tell you how we're going to raise the funds for that. But the first step is, who's supposed to go? And what we're asking you to do is not to pray about whether you're supposed to be a part of the plant. We're going to make it even easier. But we're also going to make it a little bit more personal. We're asking you to pray about if you're supposed to go to this meeting today. Not if you're supposed to be a part of the plant. We're asking for people to go for a year as missionaries. And we're asking you to pray about if that's you. We're asking you to not do the math and say, I'm definitely going no matter what, or I'm definitely not going no matter what. We're simply asking you, Lord, where do you want me? What is it? I want to build your kingdom. What is it you want me to do? I don't know. Several months back, we were having an event here, and I asked several people to help before it started get set up and some of you know Tommy Myers. Tommy was one of them. And when he got here, he said, hey, what, what do you need me to do to help? What do you need? I got to thinking about that today. What would happen if we said that same thing to God? Lord, what do you need? Where do you want me? Not where I want to be. In high school, I wanted to be the quarterback. I was the center instead. Because the coach thought I'd do better at center than quarterback. In baseball... My cousin, my mom's first cousin, my second cousin, his name was Bill Russell. He played for the Dodgers. Some of you know who he is because he's from this area. He played shortstop. And my grandpa all the time growing up said, Kyle, you're going to be the next shortstop of the Dodgers. I wanted to be a shortstop. So in high school, when I went out, I played first base. I wanted to play shortstop. That wasn't what my gifted area was. It's not what I want. Jesus said, hey, I'd like to get out of this. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'd like to get out of this, but not my will, your will. This morning, as we stand together, I'm just asking you to pray about whether or not God would like you to come and see. Just pray about whether God wants you to come and see. So as we wrap up, maybe God's calling you to go write a letter to someone that you've hurt. Maybe God's calling you to go check it out today. Maybe he's not. Samantha said this morning, if you keep this up, everybody's going to go. We kind of laughed about it. And I said, no, because if everybody's praying, God's not going to send everybody. But if everybody's praying, he's going to send some somebodies. Maybe today he's not calling you to go to the meeting. He's calling you to go say you're sorry. He's calling you to do something. Maybe today God's calling you to go and, and not just listen to someone talk about their hurts and their pains, to actually say, you know what? I know someone who can help you with that. It's not me. It's a guy who died on a tree 2,000 years ago. Lord Jesus, today, whatever it is that we're called to go do, Father, may we go. Send us. May our prayer and our question be, where do you want me? Not where I want to be, not shortstop. God, where do you want me? We love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said, 
Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great day.